0: Sure Gabriel knows that, father. He calls it our family treasure. Indeed it is, Abel said, softening. Where is Gabriel? Anyway. In his cubbyhole, I think. Things have been hard for Gabriel at school since the Nazis invaded. He hated having to wear the yellow star when he was out of the house. Some of the non Jewish kids pushed him around and called him names. As a result, he had become a rather solitary child, who, when he wasn't practicing his pieces and scales, like to spend time alone doing his own things. His cubbyhole was the labyrinth of nooks and crawl spaces that existed behind the panelled walls of the large house, connecting its many rooms in ways that only Gabriel knew. You could sometimes catch him spying from behind a partition through one of his various peepholes, and you'd call out, Oh, Gabriel, stop that nonsense! And he'd appear moments later as if by magic and disarm everyone with his laughter. Other times he could stay hidden for hours, and you'd have no idea where he was. Like a tunnel rat, his father used to say, jokingly. Then they'd started hearing the terrible stories coming from Ukraine and Poland, from everywhere, of Jews hiding under floorboards and in sewers, while their people were transported away for forced labour, or worse. Abel had stopped talking about tunnel rats. I do wish he'd come out of there, Vidette. Silberman said. He spends too much time hiding away like that. If he's happy, Miriam said with a shrug, what harm can it do? We all need a little bit of happiness in this terrible, cruel world. Vidette lowered her book and started going into one of her In my day children would never have been allowed to do this or that diatribes, which they'd all heard a thousand times before. Miriam's standard response was to humour her mother by ignoring her. She moved away from the piano and picked her violin up from its stand nearby. Her bow flowed like water over the strings, and the notes of the Bach piece sang out melodiously. That was when they heard the growl of approaching vehicles coming up to the house. Brakes grinding, tyres crunching to a halt on the gravel outside, doors slamming, voices and the trudge of heavy boots. Miriam stopped playing and looked with wide eyes at her father, who threw down le ton and got to his feet just as the loud thumping knocks on the front door resonated all through the house. Vidette sat, as though paralysed, in her chair. Miriam was the first to voice what they all knew already. Les boches, they are here. In that moment, whatever shreds of optimism Abel Silverman had tried to hang on to, his prayers that this day would never come, that everything would be all right, were shattered. From the window, the dusty column of vehicles seemed to fill the whole courtyard in front of the house. The open-top black Mercedes staff car was flanked by motorcycle outriders, behind them three more heavily armed Wehrmacht sidecar outfits, a pair of Kubelwagens, and a transporter truck. Infantry soldiers were pouring from the sides of the truck clutching rifles as Abel hurried to the front door. He took a deep breath, then opened it. You can still talk your way out of this. The officer in charge stepped from the Mercedes. He was tall and thin, with the chiselled, severe face like a hawk's. He wore an iron cross at his throat, another on his breast. The dreaded, double-lightning-flash insignia was on his right lapel, the sinister Tottenkopf Death's Head Skull badge above the peak of his cap. Just the sight of those was enough to instil terror. "'Herr Silbermann!' I am SS Obersturmbannführer, Ost Krebs. You know why I am here, don't you? Abel tried to speak, but all that came out was a dry croak. When Krebs produced the document from his pocket, a high-pitched ringing began in Abel's ears. The paper was a long list of many names. It was the nightmare come true. Some Jewish families had fled ahead of the rumoured purges. Abel, choosing to disbelieve that anything quite so abominable could happen in his dear France, had made what he was now realising with a chill was the worst mistake of his life by staying put. You reside here with your wife, Vidette Silberman, and your children, Gabriel and Miriam Silberman, correct? I have an order for your immediate deportation to the Drancy camp. Any resistance, my men are ordered to shoot without hesitation. Understood? Drancy was the transit camp six miles north of Paris that the Germans used as a temporary detention center for Jews awaiting transportation to the dead.